listening to a 9to5.cc podcast. Welcome back to a brand new episode of the 9to5 Entertainment System. If you like the show, you like Scott, you like John, uh, even if you like me, uh, consider heading over to patreon.com slash 9to5cc and uh, chipping in a couple bucks there. You can either support us for a dollar a month where you just like us, or you can support for a little bit more than that, $4 Canadian a month to become a 90s Deluxe member uh, where you get access to a mailbag, uh, a couple of other extra perks, and uh, every episode of 90s comes with a bonus episode that we call Garbage Time, uh, where we talk about Spider-Man and the hobby and vampire card games, obviously. But in the main episode, the one that you're listening to right now, we talk about hockey because the Habs are playing the Leafs and they just eliminated them and it's the best, even though we recorded this before Game 7. We also talk about the show Raised by Wolves, Invincible, uh, Brightburn, and Spider-Man. All this and more on 9ES. Cue the music, I say to myself. No, wait, I say it to John. Dan Gross Brown article where they, he did the the Habs Leafs rivalry, um, like best moments of like the quiz. I don't know if you did it, Scott. I did. It was hard. It, it was really hard, but except they were like, which Leafs player got like taken out by Darcy Tucker, and he's like in brackets, one hundred percent of Habs fans would. <laughs> yes, <laughs> exactly. Does it count as a rivalry if they haven't faced each other in playoffs in a generation? Yeah, yeah, because I hate that team. Exactly. I hate that okay. team. Okay. I hate that. And you know why I hate that team? It's the same reason Americans hate the Cowboys. It's because in Canada, sports has a lot of national coverage, coast to coast. And Maple Leaf Sports Entertainment, the organization that owned the Maple Leafs for a very long time, was Rogers, who also owned TSN and Sportsnet. Mm-hmm. So they had somewhat of a vested interest in shoving the, the Leafs down our throats mm-hmm. for the better part of a generation. But yes. never funding them enough to buy players to win a game or win no, a cup? because uh, well, they, they were making the money. Right. Exactly. They Why were making money, money off of their media stuff. They don't need to win. <laughs> they just need people to buy tickets and jerseys and stuff. So they advertise them. They don't spend money on the team. So fuck mm-hmm. that team. I hate that team. They suck. I agree. Okay, okay. But all of that could be, you know, a con- you could hate them without it being a rivalry. There has to be some interaction for there to be a rivalry between teams, no? I mean, I believe it is the, like, it's just the permutation of Montreal versus Toronto as cities, mm-hmm. right? <laughs> like, we're just sort of like a lot of Toronto people are like, meh, Montreal, and a lot of Montreal people are like, meh, Toronto. Mm-hmm. And then you're just like, well, they both have national sports teams, so those, like, that rivalry also continues... Also, if you sport. spend a bunch of time in either city, you realize Montreal is objectively better. Correct. Right. <laughs> and, and we have a better logo on our jersey. Is it the I will, no, number, I will two, number two greatest logo of sport, in sports history, I think, whatever? The, yeah, I think no, it's, it's Legitimately, it's, it's behind, the, like, I think only the Yankees. And why? this is like, this is like, what do you mean, why? Because it's criteria. Uniform. Uniform and logo, yeah. yeah. That's it. Like they're like what what criteria? I think like yeah. brand recognition, like simplicity of design, timelessness of design, all that stuff. They were like, and they gave like a lot of points to both the Yankees and the Habs for not having to like mess with the uniform too much. So they picked the, the not- Canadian team wearing red, white, and blue. 
Is that is that not? <laughs> I mean, yeah, but they just they they, they did that hundred years ago, so it's okay. I guess they did, they had the, the Montreal Canadian team when they started red. The, flag, the national flag was red, white, and blue, John. Yeah, exactly. That's it. We didn't even have the, the maple leaf wasn't on the flag yet. There wasn't even a red white flag. It was, we still had a Union Jack situation going on uh-huh. when the team started. Like the ins- like the insanity that the Toronto Maple Leafs are not named after the flag and don't have any red on them. I mean, and don't have any red on them. <laughs> it's a blue jersey. They're named the Maple Leafs, and they were named the Maple Leafs before there was a Maple Leaf on our flag. It, it seems like there's like a little bit of uh, cultural trolling going on there, putting the Habs in Montreal and the Leafs in in Toronto and putting the Quebec colors on the Leafs and the the Canadian colors on the Habs. Some, something went wrong. There's some there's something going on there. Who I knows? mean, John, think of it this way: the original six had six teams, and three of them were red. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's, it's complete. It was not well thought out. <laughs> and the other two, red, two three were red, two were blue, and then the Bruins were black and yellow. Yeah, like, three of them were red. One of the ones that did not wear red wore red, white, and blue. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. There's there's red in the Rangers. Yeah. And, and the Red Wings are just Reds in their name. Are you we guys been... hyped for Tuesday? Is that Monday? Monday, Monday. We are recording this podcast, dear listener, uh, on Sunday night because the the Habs won Game Six and pushed to Game Seven, uh, which is getting recorded on Monday night. And I'll be pretty damned if I'm going to watch a miss a Game Seven for this dumb podcast. Are they? Are, is there any hope of them winning? Yes. Yes. <laughs> Hilariously. They, I mean, they, it, it's, it, it has all of the ingredients of the classic Leafs meltdown. It's, uh-huh. they were, the Leafs were up 3-1 in the series and like one handily, like each, every game, like they just, was game four, the four, nothing, or was game five, the four, nothing? Like they had a, they squandered a four nothing lead. No, no, they won it. They they, they literally shut out the Habs four nothing, and then it okay. was then yeah. game five, the Habs scored three quick goals. The Leafs managed to tie it up in the third period. Put it to overtime. Habs win in overtime. Game six, the Habs go up by two goals. The Leafs manage to catch up, push it to overtime, and the Habs win in overtime. So it's just like they have every opportunity to put it away, and they haven't. And it's kind of lulls. Yeah, and and to the point where, like, uh, I guess, like the 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 what you, like what's the word I'm thinking? Like the pessimistic take, even like like people who are just sort of like, even if the Leafs win, there's like people are upset. Like Toronto fans, like sports fans are like, why would it take seven games mm-hmm. to like get rid of the fourth ranked team? Like what is wrong with our team that we can't do? And like, we're supposed to be one of the dominant powerhouse teams in the league. And the Habs are like, okay. And price is playing well, but it's like, it's as much the Leafs are just being the do like Leafs are doing Leafs things as much as the Habs are also kind of like punching above their weight. What cracks me up about this the most is that if there's any other team in the whole NHL that is basically the Montreal Canadiens, it's the Winnipeg Jets. And even if Toronto does win on Monday, they're going to go into a series with a team that's exactly the same. Only, I would say, more physical. Right. So like, they're, all, they're just going to bang the crap out of them. Like, and, and, one, and, and Connor Halibuck then continues to stand on his head. Right. <laughs> like, 
Oh my goodness, it's it's very very funny. Although also they they made history. Did you know? Yes, I did know. I do not. So, so this is the first time in history that a team has blown a multi-goal lead in the third period in an elimination game twice in a row and and staved <laughs> off elimination twice. So like the Habs messed up, like had multiple goal leads in the third period, blew those leads, and then still won twice in a row. And it's the first time in playoffs history that that's happened. Which if that's not a testament to the like just the Leafs like that squandering their opportunities. Like that should that that's not a good stat. Like if you blow the lead in the third and get pushed to overtime, you're not supposed to be the one who wins. The other team is supposed to be riding the momentum of having like caught up, right? Is like, that is that not the Leafs' mo though? Don't they squander incredible leads consistently? Yeah, that's, yeah. That, which makes all of this is kind of hilarious. Right. Scott but, shared that that great meme about from the uh, the national the, the minister of health. <laughs> the symbol for the national symbol for choking has changed. Uh-huh. Putting both hands over your neck to uh, blue maple leaf right <laughs> correct oh my goodness yeah it it's it's rough uh i think i guess to be a toronto fan uh obviously if the habs win um, it's fine it's great it's hilarious i don't know if we can possibly beat winnipeg <laughs> just because they they dominated us in the regular season mm-hmm. very very handily um don't and, care don't care so but yeah exactly but it's still the the like like Eliminating the Maple Leafs will be like it's good enough. They can like ride off into the sunset after that. <laughs> I feel like that happened a lot of times that I was watching Habs playoffs at, at Grumpy's or whatever in the early 2000s. There'd be like a seven game amazing series against Boston or somebody, and then there, we'd be eliminated in four in the in the second round. Yeah, well, I mean that was the, the that was the 2010 story, the where it was like the back to back round one and round two eliminating wa- the Washington Capitals with like peak power Ovechkin and the Pittsburgh Penguins with peak power Sidney Crosby Mm -hmm. and the Maple Leafs led by intrepid captain Brian Gianta with important player Scott Gomez and stuff. Canadians, you said Maple Leafs. Oh, yeah. Yes, exactly. Yeah. And Uh, smack dab into the Rangers. No, it wasn't. It was Philly. Oh, it was Philly in 10. It was Rangers in 14. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And that that was the Chris Kreider taking out Price one after we had taken out. was Was it Pittsburgh again? It was still it was on the 2014 run. They had still done another game, like they'd taken out another top seeded team. Uh, no, but yeah, that's kind of Boston. Oh yeah, it was the PK Subban playoff overtime winner. Yeah, yeah. times. And then yeah, Chris Kreider took out Price and uh, poor, I forget his name, Dustin Tikarski. Ticker. That was it. Yeah, exactly. Ticker. Ticker showed up and did a valiant effort, but the the Rangers would go on to defeat the Habs. But yeah, playoffs and everything is all crazy. Uh, the other thing that happened, I guess, sports fans, was the Edmonton Oilers couldn't couldn't buy a game, couldn't buy a single win against the Winnipeg Jets, despite having the two league MVPs on their team, but nobody else. A thirty-nine-year-old goaltender that they're going to give way too much money to in the off-season. Oh man! So they literally. John, for the last like two or three seasons, Leon Dreisaitl and Connor McDavid are like number one and number two in points. Mm-hmm. Like as like two players on the same team, number one and two in points. And even while they're doing that, they have a hard time making it into the playoffs in many of those years because there's nobody else on the team. Like like the rest of the line is us. 
Right. Like these people, <laughs> <laughs> like, like, and you're like, there, there's non NHL players. And then two like explosive superstars who like both of them easily bring up like 120, 130 points uh, a season, like with their eyes closed, despite playing on a team with nobody else. And uh, yep, they made it into the playoffs. They played the Winnipeg Jets and they couldn't win a game. That's fucking crazy. It's so weird. It's like if the Pittsburgh Penguins got Crosby and Malkin and they were like, our work here is done. And then they didn't get anybody else to play with them. It's the very strangest. Hmm. It's almost obscene. It, it's gross. I, I was, when I was clicking around uh, the Beaverton, I found uh, a Beaverton article from 2018 that said, like, Sidney Crosby wouldn't let his kids get into hockey because there's just too much of a chance they'd be drafted by Edmonton. <laughs> I was like, you know, that's great. The McDavid signed that big contract. He, he didn't need to. All on him. I'm with. I'm with. Uh, Down goes Brown on this one. No one. No well, one holding him off he, the balcony like Suge Knight. Sure. It, it, the only thing that I will say though is that it is frustrating to to reiterate that full point that he took a bit of a discount on that. And then they use that money to buy Jack Zach Cassian, you know, like that's, that's like, that's where I'm like, Hey, McDavid's like, Hey, I took a little bit less than I was worth to give you like to free up a couple million dollars on the cap. And then you gave $5 million to Zach Cassian. What are you doing? Like I can still see McDavid getting pissed off about that element, right? Like I took a discount, bring in some talent. They're like, no. Yeah. But Uh, he shouldn't have signed that nine year contract. I mean, why not? Did he make a lot of money? He did, well, but he could have like. So, but that's the thing, though, is that he could have got that money anywhere. Like, that's. It's not like there. He would have like again. He took it. He took it. He could have potentially gone to a better team and made more money. <clears throat> like, it's not just that. Like, the Edmonton Oilers were the only ones who could give him that contract in the league. So, I mean, even at the time, you could almost actually no. They had already signed Tavares. Like, Toronto probably could have moved money around and literally got Connor McDavid, and that would have <clears> been terrifying. Like better teams could have done it, and he signed in Edmonton at a slight discount, ostensibly so that they could use that money to get other players. And they've instead signed like, like because basically this thing happens where, say, like you put me on a line with Connor McDavid, and then he starts like banking in pucks off my butt or whatever, and I get goals. <laughs> and then they're like, "Well, Keith got like forty goals this year. I should give him three million dollars." And they're like, "No, you shouldn't. His goals are just." Like Connor McDavid bouncing the puck off of him into the net. But you're like, no, give me some money. I'm a professional hockey player now. And <laughs> we're back. Just talk for hours. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, no, I, I have a minor update from a news story that we broke a couple months ago. Oh. It's from the uh, the PlayStation store. Okay. After uh, some amount of outcry or whatever, Sony announced that they were not actually taking down the PS3 or the PSV digital stores. They were only taking down the Vita, which kind of, not the Vita, the PSP. So PS3 and Vita stores are staying open, and PSP store is getting closed in the summer. I think someone probably pointed out that it costs like 10 cents a year or whatever to keep these available, and they're still revenue streams. Yeah. So they were like, I thought well, that was neat. Okay, but but what there there's the, the caveat to that, that if you're if you're still playing games on your PS3, maybe you're not buying a PS5, right? That's, that's why they would close it, is because they want to incentivize you to move to the new one. Well, well sure. <laughs> right well but hey, i think that's the issue though right is that what they're saying is that like you if you, you could still play all your ps3 games that was never the question it was you couldn't buy new games from the digital store that was right. all like they were never right. shutting shutting it down so you could still play your library i guess 
I guess. I want you to buy the new the new. I think maybe box. maybe maybe the the scarcity of the PS5 box is what changed. Like they were like, uh oh. Yeah. We can't actually even sell you a PS5 right now, even if we wanted to. Yeah, so you turn off the, your store, the person goes to the, the the Walmart to buy a new game system, can't I mean, find a PS5, gets an Xbox. An Xbox. Yeah. yeah, exactly. So like, well, stick on Although I believe that the, the, the PS5 is smashing the Xbox 3, yeah. whatever, right yeah, now, yeah, like, yeah. really badly. Yeah, 100%. Yeah. The only thing, apparently, that is, like, sort of holding together the Xbox at this point is that it's much cheaper to make like, mm-hmm. physically as a device than it is on the PS5. So I think they're 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 not, like, yes, PS5 is, like, head, head and shoulders above them in sales. But if you calculate the fact that the PS5 is a more expensive device to, like, produce, mm-hmm. the, the profits are apparently not as wide as the sales figures. Right. So... Whatever, I'm waiting until they make a slim one. Have you seen those things no. in person? Mm-hmm. They're monstrous, dude. Like, like not a joke. Like, I would guess about twice as big as a PS4. Like, Jeez. It's, they're so they're, they're basically a computer, you know? Like, there's no... I guess, but yeah. it's it's so big. <laughs> it's Although, um, Andrew was saying, it runs... in completely silent which is a nice a big thing. change <laughs> yeah exactly it's a yeah. jet jet engine plate ps4s and yep. whatever else he's like it just runs so silent and there's no loading like you put a ps4 game in and there's no loading time at, at all hmm. like um so that that's cool but i'm i'm assuming judging from when they because they, they remember they brought it the big ps3 and then they made it smaller Mm-hmm. That that came out almost, I think, three years after launch. So I'm thinking maybe that's the time to get a PS5. They're going to release a slim, and it'll be like there'll be an actual catalog of games out as opposed to like the two games or whatever that's on it right now. Yeah, I, the one that hurts me the most is Elden Ring. They, you know, you just never know with From Software, but I feel like Sony is going to force them to put it out sooner or later, and it's going to drive a whole bunch of sales. Do I have to buy the PS5 for Elden Ring? I might. I might. <laughs> I, I mean, do I wish you could like remember back in the day where you could like rent consoles from the store, yeah. like like your friend would like rent a Super Nintendo for the yeah. weekend, and you'd be yeah. like, yeah, like that would be kind of fun. If you then, could rent consoles. Y'all, y'all, y'all killed the video store. Mm-hmm. We did this. This is what we wanted. <laughs> Renting consoles. I'm so, there's got to be an industry for that. Like you can rent power tools. I don't know, man. I I think you probably lose a shitload of money with broken consoles and people yeah. treating them like shit. And I uh, I don't know. Take take big boy deposits on them. Plus, all of the like games industry now is sold on Steam or uh, you know like direct digital stores. So it's like, how do you? Where's your market? What are you actually going to sell in that store? Mm, I guess. I mean, but I know I do know that a lot of people will still buy a console and you know play that one game and then return the console. <laughs> like, really. I could do that with Elden Ring. There we go. <laughs> a buddy of mine who used to work at Best Buy, he was like it, all the time. Like, yeah. like every time every time there was like a big exclusive or whatever, he's like not necessarily like the same dudes, but he's like you could kind of see they're like they're like, yeah, the guy who shows up and buys the game and get, like gets the console and the big game that just came out on Friday, and then you're like a week or two later, it's like returns both. And it's like meh. And sometimes yeah. you can get like depending on their 
deals or whatever, he's like, even if it's store credit, the guy's still going to be like, okay, I'm eventually going to still use this $800 or whatever at Best Buy for like something else. Like, like, like PS6 and Elden Ring 2 or whatever. <laughs> yeah, exactly. They said, come back here. I'd like to use yeah. my store credit to buy this one. But yeah, that's uh, which I find is like way worse. Like they say the same thing still happens all the time at like Super Bowl where people buy big TVs on Super Bowl weekend and then return them on like the Monday. <laughs> that's funny. Mm-hmm. And I was like, man, that's it's shitty. That's a lot of work, man. Mm-hmm. All a big screen TV, move it all the way. But if you're having a big party, you know? Yeah. And you're maybe like, that oh, sort of makes sense. I think so. Like, I, I mean, I, I can see the logic. It's just kind of shitty. Uh, what else is happening? in life i mean lockdown's over so we could in theory go outside we could could we be doing this in person again not that we would but we could record outside i guess you're not allowed in each other's houses yet not yet not yet i mean we could we actually i was thinking about that though we could in theory when housing i think it's housing getting together is whatever is supposed to be like a month away Mm -hmm. we could um so when we have the cleaners come over we were like, we all mask inside. And I've been told on like when I'm on conference calls that it sounds pretty good. So I was like, we could record in masks. <laughs> and then it's, it would still sound all right. <laughs> so we could like sit six feet apart inside with masks on and record in person. Mm-hmm. Although, I mean, I guess Scott, yeah, who knows what Scott has to do because Scott's double vaccinated. He's. Yeah, he doesn't have to do anything. He's back to licking doorknobs as usual. Yeah. I, can, I can put a mask on and sit on your couch butt naked. What? Because it's healthier. Oh, okay. <laughs> There's no risk of catching anything from me now. Right. <laughs> but yeah, but you're still. I, I think like the the still the whole like maskless interactions is only allowed if both people are fully vaccinated. Otherwise, still everyone has to wear a mask as they right. I guess gather gather up the data of how and who is transmissible at the same time and all that crap and whatever. Five point six million. Oh, I think Quebecers have received their first dose. That's pretty good. Yeah. That's yeah. a big number. It yeah. is a big number. Hey, we, we, we passed America in terms of people having received the first dose. Yep. Without having to give out lotto tickets or <laughs> All that. guns or whatever it is to do. Complete insanity. But yeah, so hooray. And, and oh, I was going to say end in sight, but like not really. It's like the local end in sight, right? Like there's still countries that like don't have any vaccines, whatever. But I mean, I feel, I'll feel pretty happy if at least all of the people in my immediate like circle of acquaintances and stuff are all vaccinated and healthy and we can start having board game nights and playing D&D and, and mm-hmm. whatever else. That'll be very exciting. Very much so. Yep. Even though when I invited Scott to watch hockey yesterday, he didn't come because he's the Man. worst. I was in my pajamas. <laughs> it's it's nice to have the freedom to choose. Yeah, exactly. He's like, oh man, I like literally. My name's Scott. I haven't seen people in like fifteen months, and I haven't watched a hockey game with my buddies since last summer. But hey, game six, I'm in my pajamas. <laughs> yeah, the idea of having to come home from anywhere when it's dark outside—that's terrifying. <laughs> Freaky. I will say, um, so Friday night. When the curfew got lifted, um, we watched Purge 3, the election year. <laughs> Just because it felt like appropriate to watch. And there was like, 
roaming packs of drunken people out in the streets in front of me, like fireworks being lit off relatively like on a couple of areas around the neighborhood and stuff like that. And I was like, oh man, it's low key the purge. <laughs> <laughs> like they just lifted curfew and everyone's gone insane. But like the packs of like, some of them were like groups of like drunken teenagers or whatever, just like enjoying the night, which I could totally get, dude. Like, sure. Bars and stuff aren't open, right? If we were, like, college-aged and we were just suddenly allowed to, like, wander the streets with some 40s, like, that's what we would be doing. Mm-hmm. It would be the first time we can hang out as a group. Like, but then it was, like, that I saw other groups of, like, people, like, our age just kind of, like, roaming around with, like, open bottles. And I was like, oh, right. It's not just teenagers. There's no bars open. Like, there's nowhere for these people to be. Like, especially in the city, whatever, like in Point St. Charles, like not a lot of people even have like backyards and stuff. So it's like, and you can't hang out in a park late because that's loitering. Mm-hmm. So they're just like, wandering gotta, the streets with brown bags. Got to keep moving, just walking around. And the people <laughs> lighting off fireworks. I was like, wow. It's like society's ready, really like ready to collapse. Like when you think about like what it would take to go to flip into the purge, I'm like, man, I don't even know. Like, if we're like, the curfew's lifted, let's just wander the streets drunkenly and start shooting off fireworks. Imagine if the Habs had won Game 7 the day the curfew got lifted. Like People would have been out there. There would have been a fifth wave. <laughs> there would be, I mean, fifth wave of looting. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there, I, I, I wonder if... Will there be the traditional, like, Game 7, like... Parade, mob downtown mob riot no no the bars aren't full the That's bars aren't full of yeah. people getting drunk ready like amped up and not ready to go home after so here's what here's what i'm saying so there's no curfew so it's not illegal to be out late at night so if i were to say at 10 p.m on monday i'm organizing a let's say student uh student tuition protest that happens at 10 p.m on monday night show up because protests are legal. Mm-hmm. I don't think they are at that night, though. Bring out the permit. You won't get a permit. Damn it! They refused my permit. Exactly. That sounds like First... a reason to riot. <laughs> exactly. You're refusing my my hockey riot permit. I feel um, there's st- there still will be like the the I I guarantee you there's going to be some level of shenanigans if if they in fact win Game Seven. Yeah, but it won't be eighty thousand. It'll be like a hundred people. It's the over over under on the Montreal riot on Monday night. If we like riot riot attendance, I'm taking the under. You're taking the under, like if if the if the if the line is a hundred, I'm taking the over. There are more than a hundred people on St. Catherine Street if the Habs win. Who's going to be out there? Idiots. No, but nobody's at the bars. Like you have, you're going to have to like run down there, like far away from your TV and your booze and your bathroom. (laughs) You know. I think so. Here's what I think is I think there's going to be probably a good number of like people getting together at each other's houses and doing the backyard thing, kind of like what I did on Saturday. I think there's going to be some groups like that. I think there's probably someone, someone somewhere is going to set up a big screen in a parking lot downtown, I feel is a thing that could totally happen. Mm-hmm. And then I think that as soon as someone just like runs around honking their horn and just like waving their flags, or whatever, some people are going to come outside. Some people still live downtown like idiots. <laughs> <laughs> If you're, if you're dumb enough to still have a condo down, down, you're dumb enough to get into a minor riot. <laughs> it's just that I, I, okay, so here's my, this is why I take, I'm taking the over is that I feel that like 
the people who would riot because the Habs won a game seven, there's a lot of overlap with like anti-mask riot <laughs> protesters, right? So I think there's a lot of those same groups of people. <laughs> Here's the thing about anti-maskers. Tear gas works really well on them. <laughs> oh. I'm not saying it's not going to get dispersed real quick. I'm just saying I think there's going to be more than 100 people taking to the streets to, to celebrate. Uh, on a win or a lo- loss? On a loss. I mean, on a win. We only, Typically, historically, we don't freak out if we win. You got that right? backwards. Sorry, I'm tired. We don't freak out if we lose. Like... There was this like is what happens when we record on Sunday, Keith. Yeah, this is my usually my, my sleepy time. Mm-hmm. We usually watch our Sunday programming, which recently has been uh, raised by wolves. It's great. I haven't. I haven't watched it yet. The Ridley Scott Android weirdness. It's it's like hard sci-fi, like <laughs> real hard sci-fi. What's it on? Uh, on the HBO Max slash uh, Crave. Um, yeah, no, it's their, it's their two, I don't know if we talked about this last show or not. It's two androids. Um, like the whole deal is, is that there's like humanity has kind of descended into a, like a religious war, but it's like both the, like a kind of a Christian group and atheist groups are both like driven into levels of fanaticism. Like even the atheists are like, if you even show faith, you're murdered. (laughs) You know, like, mm-hmm. like it's like you're anti-faith, and then the uh, Christian group is like also just super evil and whatever else. Like, but both groups, both like that's what I'm saying when I say it's like really like hard edge sci-fi. Is like both neither group is a the hero. Like both of them are do terrible things all the time, and like you're trying to figure out who maybe the hero is. And they find a um, they've kind of like bombed Earth into hell, mm-hmm. um, so they find an, a, a hospitable planet at some point. And the atheists are like, well, we can't get as big of a ship there, but we could put like embryos and like shoot them off. And because like embryos are an affront to God, like the Christians don't have that option. So they also send it, but they have to send like real people in cryosleep, which is like a slower journey. Mm -hmm. So like the atheists and their embryos get raised by these two androids for like 12 years before the Christians show up. And then they kind of like, now we're sort of duking it out on this planet but there's a lot of like like are the androids like feelings or do they have are they people and it's like they've been raised this way and like now the kids are like it like finding kind of like their own faith while in an unhospitable planet because you're like looking for some semblance of meaning while you're like braving the elements and whatever and you have these android parents and stuff and it kind of kind of goes back and forth i'm i really enjoy it i was kind of shocked sarah really enjoyed it because i was like I was really, when I was like, whoa, this is some, like, it, it gets into, like, a lot of the tech is very, like, weird, like, like weird little, like, I'm just going to, like, plug this weird, like, noodle thing into this Android. And it's, like, because she's plugged into a machine that's usually meant to, like, provide brain stimulation to a person in hypersleep, she's now having these weird, like, existential hallucinations that she keeps going into to try to like make sense of her own android mind but it's like breaking her mind as she goes through it there's like and like these are like long sequences and i'm like this is getting into like the other enders trilogy kind of stuff where you're just like let's let's move through a mind palace of your own psyche even though you're an android and whatever you know like it's cool though i i enjoy it if you like i mean ridley scott likes him some androids i think sure does is his is the is the takeaway from this? 
but uh yeah no i'm enjoying it and it's like every episode is over an hour long and there's like i think 12 or 13 of them it's a it's heavy <laughs> like every time you watch one you're like is it good yeah it's very good like it's 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 very good but it's like it reminds me a lot of reading those like old sci-fi novels. I, I kind of feel like Ridley Scott crawled up his own ass with the um, Prometheus duo of films. Yeah, it it's work. much. It's, yeah. it's a lot better than those. Okay. okay, like it's as much as I enjoyed those movies, I, they're deeply flawed. But so far, yeah. this one yeah. is is better, and I think it's a lot better because he's not also trying to rewrite the origin of the alien mm-hmm. <laughs> and whatever. He's just like <laughs> just the worst. Uh, and yeah, and he's just sort of like sticking to his own own thing. And he's like, there's not that many players. And also there's a, a lot of like, something you don't see that often is like a lot of like plot stuff advances. And like, and when it's advances, it's like, it's done. Like if someone dies or whatever, that doesn't come back, doesn't do whatever it's, they also don't mess around. Like some people randomly die because it's just a harsh environment. And you're like, okay, it's mm-hmm. over. In like, not in a Game of Thrones way, because in Game of Thrones, it's usually like, someone like manipulating the death like just people die like bad luck you know like you're just like oh yeah this is like a a really sketchy planet this person's dead now oh well moving on i like it yeah i'm enjoying it scott did you watch movie Movie 42 42? i want to hear about it i was gonna watch it tonight (laughs) that was that was my plan that was your plan like two weeks ago what? Yeah. <laughs> uh, it's on Prime. I'm I'm gonna watch it. It just uh hasn't happened. Mm-hmm. I'm happened. not actively avoiding it. I'm just like, oh shit, Monday's tomorrow, kind of. Mm-hmm. Sounds like you're actively avoiding it. Speaking of stuff on Prime, um, I do not get the hype about Invincible. It's Invincible. Yeah, uh, it's the new Prime show, the animated uh, animated feature, not feature, animated show. Seriously? By Robert, well, based on the comic by Robert Kirkman. Yeah, he's an executive of, producer. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> what if Spider-Man was Superman? And what if Spider-Man's dad was purely evil? It's amazing. It's, it's what if Spider-Man was Superman if what if, and what if Spider-Man's dad was uh, Homelander? Was Homelander. <laughs> Basically. <laughs> Like which which I'm which a lot of people like sold it to me like that. They're just sort of like, oh, it's like Robert Kirkman stuff, but it's like kind of like the boys, and it's kind of like whatever. And the the first episode takes absurdly long for the shoe to drop, like for the show to become what it becomes, to the point where I was like, this is actively bad. Mm-hmm. Like the first episode pl- takes almost a full hour of playing out like a normal kid's superhero cartoon. Blech. Yeah. yeah, and you're like, okay, I get it. You're like, I knew the, the like, <laughs> I knew the shoe was going to drop, so I was like, okay, I'm going to put up with this. But I was like, holy crap, it's taking a long time to get to where I know it's going. And if I didn't know where it was going, I would have shut it off. Like, that's how dull the first episode was. Mm-hmm. And then it, it gets better from there, but I still don't get the hype of a lot of people being like, it's really amazing. I find the animation is kind of sloppy. Which really? I really like the animation. I really, I think, I mean, I, the, my, my big counterpoint is we're watching a lot of Archer and like yeah. Ar- Archer has some of the most, like, I find like, I think we've talked about this even on the show, like most like expressive, like faces and stuff. And like, and also the way 
they they you they they do the timing on this like conversations in Archer. It mm-hmm. really Invincible really really sounds like everybody was recording their line. Like probably because it was everybody was recording their lines at their own little like sound studio at home, and it's kind of like cut together. Like nobody's like the dialogue doesn't like flow back and forth. Like I said, I'm using Archer as the counterpoint, but or you know any other show with human beings talking to each other. Everybody sort of like stops and waits for the like to speak and i find it makes the conversations really choppy and then the animation just kind of seems like kind of like knockoff anime anime style kind of done on the cheap and i was like how how would you uh how would it compare or does it at all compare to brightburn uh i haven't seen brightburn really i thought you i thought you did a long talk about it i did i I, was before it came out i was really excited and then and then you didn't watch it it's on fucking netflix (laughs) should do it yeah, I watched it. I heard good things. They made a sequel, or they're making a sequel, I should say. It it opens the door for a whole um, like extended universe of dark copies of superheroes. So there's like a sequence at the end. We could we could actually talk about this movie if you wanted to, but maybe I want to wait for one of you guys to see it. The, there's a sequence at the end where like you know it's it's like uh, during the credits they're showing like newsreel of of like of like, you know, footage of this kid who by this point in the story is clearly evil Superman flying around and exploding things and just bringing chaos and mayhem to the world. Mm -hmm. And, um, he, and there's like clips about an underwater type of event happening where a ship is being sunk and there's whatever. So you kind of get the impression they're doing a whole negative justice league of characters. And the, it's the thing about the movie is that it's much more a horror movie than a superhero movie or an action movie. So there's like, like, so the tone of it is a little weird because you, because he's so strong. You almost yeah. think you there's no, nothing anybody could do if he goes after them. Like it, it's like imagine if Which, super yeah. Oh, but I'm saying, but that that's that's a horror movie though in a lot of ways, yeah. right? Like like it's like nobody really has a chance until there's only one girl left. <laughs> like, you know, like like when Michael when Mike Myers is running around, you can't stop him. When yeah, Freddy's but you could run around. away really quick. You know, Freddie. I guess Freddie kind of doesn't, but but I mean, yeah, Freddie can get you in his dreams. But even yeah. then, you can run away real quick, but if Jason's going to pop up in front of you, he's going to pop up in front of you, right? Like that's, yeah. How many times does that happen? Where they're just gonna, they run, God, they just run into him and he still gets them. It's like, like Jason may as well have super speed. You just never see it on screen. Sure. <laughs> the biggest complaint about um, Brightburn that I heard and that I totally agree with is that it kind of doesn't do anything surprising with the premise or the setup. Like if I said, it's a horror movie where Superman grows up and he's just super evil rather than growing up with a good, good nature. Like you get it, you know, everything that's going to happen. There's like not that many clever, clever, bits twists done with that mm-hmm. with that story it's worth it's, it's it's worth the watch though as like a low-key you know don't yeah. expect too much out of it but it, but there you oh, go yeah but yeah in, in, in invincible that's, oh. sorry that that's a concept that's been played out in comic books for even for by superman yeah. yeah like starting with the the weird 60s campy stuff moving into the 70s with superman 2 where he gets exposed to the kryptonite and gets all drunk in me and uh, the 80s had Squadron Supreme and The Watchmen, which were both kind of versions of other superheroes turned bad. Like Squadron like, Supreme. Like, is Bizarro's a- first appearance was 1958. Yeah. Okay. Right, which is, so, like, Squadron Supreme is like, what if the Justice League just got sick and tired of, of governments always screwing around and making things worse after they fix it? So they just they just say, fuck it, we're taking over and become fascist dictators 
I haven't read any of those, but I do want to say Brightburn does something different, which is that the villain is a child. So little boy exploring his sexuality for the first time has fucking no morals, doesn't give a shit about anybody, has all the powers of Superman. Or he gets threatened by the school kids and then he just like harms them. He he doesn't even have like from at least all the press, whatever, John, you can confirm. He doesn't even have like an agenda like to conquer the world. It's just like whatever. This is I'm I'm just going to do what I want to do in this immediate moment. It's not even like I'm just going to Maybe this actually was kind of a cool twist. uh, So he finds the like pod that he got delivered to the farmhouse in. Right. Mm -hmm. And the pod keeps calling to him and it keeps telling him that he's got to go out and conquer the world. It's like it's like trying to impress upon him, and it's, I'm not going to say how that does it. It's pretty, kind of cool, but mm-hmm. they like it, it's like it's making him evil, or it's awakening his evil nature. You know those moments where the teacher is talking about blah, 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 the little animal does this, and that's whatever. And obviously they're talking about a metaphor for the story. So in this one, they're talking about parasitic wasps that infect the minds of people and then they send the wasp out to go and destroy the bee colony from the inside out i guess the implication is 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 it's like an alien conquering mechanism to send this like super powered thing to to take over society yeah i mean that's it if you can make a superman you wouldn't like you could just do an invasion with superman yeah it wasn't that (laughs) exciting a film but i'm uh, it was like good enough that i really want to see where they're going to go with it if they do do more the fact that you said they're making a sequel I'm, i'm like super on board so the thing with invincible is i feel like it doesn't rest on its laurels of the shoe dropping like having read you know 150 of issues of this comic book it doesn't end up being the walking dead where it's like people are bad they betray you zombies attack half the cast dies move to a new place Mm-hmm. People are bad. They betray you. Zombies attack. Half the cast dies. Like Invincible will get weird. Will move forward and will put the plot before it behind it. So mm-hmm. like once you find out why the things that happened in episode one happened, there is a lot more story to go to from there. I, I again, I don't. That my issues with it are not necessarily that I find it's a bad story. I just find like is it the animation is not great. I find the 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 it's it's a little too slow. It's a little too plotting. It's not like it's not funny enough, which is like shocking because you're just like waiting for Jason Manzukis to be hilarious as Rexplode, and he's just okay. He's such a dick, right? But I just think like every but every even the the main character like. Everything... I don't know, man. I, you're saying like the the vocal performances sound so flat, and then you mentioned Rexplode, who is Jason Mendes, so, so outrageously a dickhead. Yeah, I, I said I'm. I'm think we're like, we're we're three episodes in, and like I will probably keep watching it, but I'm like it's way low on the list of priorities. It's so like some of that's the third episode. Is that the one that opens with the dad and the son outside Buckingham Palace? I think that's the second episode. Maybe that's the third episode. I think it's the third episode where that joke pays off from early in the first episode. Yeah, it's great. It's very again, funny. like I said, it's it's I, I I'm again it's it's I it's great is not it's fine. <laughs> like like not, I'm not watching it saying this is bad. I'm just watching it being like everything feels like it's a you're like congratulations Timmy here's a B. Like, you know, and you're like, and if my kid brought home a B, I wouldn't be like, you really screwed up. <laughs> I'd be like, well, you probably could have done better. But 
I mean, you didn't screw it up, so here it is. Like it, it's it's a B show. Like it's just fine. Like that's oh, that's. I like it, and again, I'm a fan of the series, so I I'm excited to see them explore some of the plots. They're mm-hmm. not stringently adhering to the comic book plots. They're kind of fuzzing stuff around, which mm-hmm. I like. And um, yeah, I mean, the cast is stellar. And I understand what you're saying by they're not given the chance to interact with each other, but there's so much talent on that voice cast. Yeah, like I said, maybe it's gonna get better. I don't know. Like I'll I bet like just the the fact that I'm like three episodes in and a lot of people online and stuff were like, You're gonna love it. This show was made for you and whatever. And I I was like I was hype. I was like, I'm like, I'm ready for the new show. It's gonna be super fun. And I was like, Okay. Should I read the comics? Are the comics better, would you say, in your estimation? Yes, they are. They 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 read, I guess, at a faster clip. <laughs> so if you're finding the show kind of lagging, then you'd probably like the comics because they don't. Each episode so far, I would I'll go ahead and actually say that each episode, if it was thirty minutes, I probably would have been into it. But like the forty-five minute runtime, like every, I was like, a lot of it seems like filler. Like I'm like, okay, there's like multiple. Yeah, that's kind of what I like about it. I kind of like the chance that they're giving this stuff to breathe because the comic moves at such a... I don't know, uh, man. Like, a, a, a multiple-minute sequence of, like, the guy and the girl flying around the city to, like, a cool guitar riff because they're learning about their flying powers. I was like, I don't care anything. It's like... And they're, like, flying around and, like, cool. And then on top of that, as I mentioned before, the animation's like, Like, so I was like, it's not even, like, cool animation where you're like, wow. You're You're like, I'm watching a Saturday morning cartoon. You're painting the image of this book, this show to to John. John, there is so much uber violence in this show that, like, you can't understate how badly people get murdered, (laughs) beaten up, uh, like, savagely, that the Foley guys are working overtime to make new and more impressive pain sounds. Yeah, but the boys did it better. The boys at least did funny. I, I was just going to ask, how does this all compare to the boys? Like it's like, like it's dorky little brother or whatever. Like the boys is like head and shoulders better with a very similar tone, like different story, completely different story, but like a similar tone. And the boys is much better and much better out of the gate. Like, <laughs> Episode one of the boys, you're like, yes. Uh, I I get that, but at the same time, it's also way less preachy than the boys. You don't I guess get it's, a, more, it's much more of, like, of a story. There's there's not really any politicizing, which the, the boys is doing all the time, or fascism, or like religious matters, or Black Lives Matters. You get superheroes punching each other and supervillains. Yeah, the sto- the stories are like pure superhero stories just told in a slightly more like kind of like realistic way where it's like, yeah, if the JLA throw down in the middle of New York city, people die, like get, get pretty screwed up. And like, there, there isn't a, a zero body count to that situation. <laughs> so it's like, and I think that's the hook and, mm-hmm. but it still stays like Scott said as superhero stories, it doesn't kind of become like allegories and metaphors for everything. Like the way the boys kind of does, but I, I'd watch the boys. again. I, I like the boys a lot, but you don't get a whole lot of that. Stormfront, Homelander, like just these guys are bad. You see, they're manipulating social media, and social media can be lying to you. Like, 
Yeah, there's also there's also very few well, like punch fights in the boys, right? Like there's very few like superhero versus superhero showdown. It's usually them running for their lives, trying not to die at the hands of the superheroes. There's no like drug abuse is bad, okay? Yeah. Don't don't, don't trust the fake news media. You, people are manipulating it. I get it. I still I, just watch the boys more than Invincible, and I had more fun I mean, watching. When the it. boys when the boys is at its best, it's better than Invincible, but. I don't feel like I walk away from Invincible going, oh, man, I got to study for that test that's going to be next week. <laughs> Pop quiz and poli sci. Speaking of comic books, I read Marvel made like a collected edition or whatever of like the birth of Venom. Nice. Uh, and where it, so like, yeah, it starts like has excerpts of certain comics and full issues of other comics. So like starting in Secret Wars, where it's, it's, it's so goofy. Like, it's so goofy and dumb. Like, Thor, in Secret Wars, Thor gets his costume ripped up. Ripped, ripped up. And the Beyonder's like, I have a special room where you can just get a new costume. And Thor's like, amazing. This is just like my costume. And then Spider-Man's like, wow, my, my costume's still ripped too. I'm going to go get it. And he's like, oh, a black goo. I'm just going to put this on. He walks into a different room. Yeah, exactly. Goes into a different room, and a black goo just goes over his body. And he's like, neat. Su- super <laughs> smart chemist, scientist man, totally okay with this. And then, yeah, then, then he comes out in the black suit. Uh, yeah, exactly. <clears throat> there it is. Um, also ridiculous is, holy crap, the comics in the 80s. Like, it's not to say that they were bad, but and I kind of, like, had to think about why this happened. Like, the amount of internal dialogue that Spider-Man has that is just recapping everything that's happened in previous issues just all the time. Of Jeez, like, you cannot judge 80s comics by Secret Wars. No, but, oh, no, but now, was, I'm in, now I'm into Spectacular Spider-Man. It started with Secret Wars, and now it's into the, the... He has the black suit, and he's back in New York, whatever. Hilariously, dude, for, like, six or seven issues while the suit's trying to take him over, he's like... Reed Richards offered me a chance to go and take a look at the suit on a molecular level, but I've just been so busy. I'm like, he says this. He has this internal thought in multiple issues as the suit's like making him do stuff. And I was like, your best, you, when you have an open door invitation from this, you're smart, and you have an open door invitation from the smartest man on the planet to take a look at the suit. But he's like, but I'm having some lady troubles with Black Hat and Mary Jane. So I'm just, I really just, who can find the time to find out about this alien substance that's all over my body? I'm going to say that maybe you didn't watch enough of the 90s Spider-Man cartoon because there is so much monologuing in that show. Oh, I, I'll bet. But also, but Peter yeah. Peter Parker the... swings around, going from place to place, constantly talking to himself. Oh, yeah. No, I, I remember that from the show, but it's just like in the comics and there's just like so much recapping where you're just sort of like, like, and then it's all of a sudden in the middle of like, this is like Amazing Spider-Man, like 250 or whatever the heck it is. And he's just sort of like, imagine how different my life would be if on that fateful day I didn't stop that criminal. Or whatever. It's just like, and so tragically, Uncle Ben died. I'm like, I, why are you recapping Uncle Ben's death in issue 250 of your comic? Uh, again, Jim Shooter is the editor-in-chief. He's also the guy who wrote Secret Wars. And as EIC in the 80s, he insisted very much that every comic be readable as if it was the first comic. Which, which I, and exactly, that's what I'm saying, because they also, they bounce around a little bit because there's like Web of Spider-Man pops in and whatever. There's So there's like, there's bits yeah. of, 
bits like in the collected volume there's like bits of spectacular bits of web spider-man and bits of uh amazing right i think those are the three mm-hmm. in the 80s yeah um and yeah it, like and it makes sense and the way i thought about it too is i was like yeah because i especially if you're like you're targeting just towards kids kids are not necessarily always getting the like pull list right kids are going into comic shops and picking up a comic because it has a cool cover so i understand that part of it from a writing perspective of like if scott goes and picks up issue 254 well he needs to understand that there was the secret war he needs to understand there was an alien thing that he got put on him he needs to understand all of this and yeah he's also fighting the hobgoblin but like recap the previously on you know like without actually doing it just doing it with his internal monologue all the time yeah but 84 to 88 it's particularly egregious like if you go Mm. back and read stuff in the 70s you're not going to run into that because the writers were kind of writing for an older audience and their bosses didn't really care yeah and then like shooter came in and was just like no we want to sell breakfast cereal like we want to sell to to like seven-year-olds like do it you have to Mm -hmm. make sure every single issue and he would send writers back to the point of them going freaking bananas yeah having to put all this stuff that they know is tedious yeah the books and and again and then but reading it as a collected edition you're like oh my like you're just like the other thing that i totally did not literally did not realize until i read this um was that spider-man wore that black costume for four years in the 80s yeah. Like, I was like, what? I was like, I thought it was like Secret Wars, Symbiote gets on him and he gets off of it and like clangs the bells and then it goes down and like gets on Eddie and then Eddie becomes Venom. And that is what happens, except that there's four years in between clanging the bells and then Eddie showing up as Venom. And in that four years, he's just like, but the black suit was cool though. And just makes himself one out of cloth. And then that was, I was like, what a bold move by Marvel to put him in that suit for four years like i get it as a temporary bit but to put one of your most iconic dudes into like another suit across like five like issues like five different monthlies always in the black i mean just they wanted edgy cool spider-man yeah man it looks good on the page it does it's very cool and 40 years later it still looks cool like that's that's pretty rare for a comic book suit redesign particularly in the 80s well i mean it's so so cool that it just you know they put that same design on a big bulky dude and made it a bad guy who's like now one of the like somewhere in the upper echelons of spider-man bad guys yes and no though i've tried three times to watch the spider-man movie that has venom in it and i find it fucking unwatchable i can't make a spider-man movie movie. though yeah i haven't watched the venom movie yet i really want to it's so bad sony Sony Pictures, man. Oh, but I was like, but I, I, I kind of want to watch. Uh, what do you call it? Like Tom Hardy, just like mash his way through that. Like, I'm on board with Tom Hardy, but boy, is it an unwatchable film. <laughs> but yeah, but I'm just saying. So, but movies aside, Venom is definitely up there. Like as, at, let, let's say a solid. I think he probably could bump a couple of the Sinister Six out. Is Venom a top five Spider-Man bad guy? Yes, sure. not yeah. mine, but yes. So, like, number one, Goblin. Yep. Number two, like, two and three, I would feel, would be, like... Doc Ock. Doc Ock and Kingpin would be, like, a fight for two and three. Yep. And then I'm, like, Venom? <laughs> like, I mean, like I said, and with, with due respect to, like, 
Rhino Sandman, and Craven, Vulture. And Sandman and Vulture and other MJ. Sinister Six members. <laughs> Black Hat. <laughs> like, no, no joke. Spider-Man gives Batman a run for his money when it comes to Rogue's Gallery. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, like, without a doubt. I'm just saying, like, he, he has cool villains, but I'm just saying, but Venom's got to be, like, to, like, my, like, off the top of my head without necessarily thinking about it. Yeah, like, four or five, somewhere in it. Does Carnage like, rank? No, Carnage is stupid. He was around for five minutes. He's still no, around. He's, he's around a really? lot. And he's going to be in the next movie. <laughs> More symbiote nonsense. I'm killing you because your name is the dumbest one in the phone book. So fucking yeah. edgy. Super 90s. Oh, yeah. Holy crap, though, man. When So the big jump... <laughs> The big jump in that collected edition jumps straight into I think like two ninety nine or two ninety eight or whatever, and nineteen eighties Todd McFarlane art. Todd. You're like, oh no, so many jaggedy black lines everywhere, <laughs> all over the place. So much Todd. Yeah, exactly. Just scribbly ink, and he gets to do the covers, and it's like all over. And he was like, man, he was the hot shit back then. <laughs> like, Todd does a couple of things that are great. He- he contorts Spider-Man when he's swinging. And he, oh, yeah, and holy shit. Like, Spider-Man always gets contorted and twisty, but Todd McFarlane is like, fuck your bones, Spider-Man. <laughs> yeah, but he goes, he goes from basically 1967 Spider-Man, that, like, Tarzan swinging from a rope. Yeah. To, like... Super dynamic and... Super dynamic, jumpy, twisty. He did the web redesign that is now his yeah, webs. and that's the other thing. The, web, the webs look great. Yeah, they look like kind of like ropes with like things wrapped around them. Like that that mm-hmm. imagery of webs, that's a that's Todd. Vintage Todd. <laughs> but man, he does not know how to draw anything else. Anything else? Women, Women faces. <laughs> Ankles. It's very stupid. Oof. Hair. I'll like... tell you, I'll give I'll give him this. At least people look different. Like Peter Parker doesn't look like J. Jonah Jameson with different hair doesn't look like. Yeah. Yeah, some uh, of the stuff, some of the 84 stuff, you're just like, whoa, like, this is. Uh, I was looking at some old 80s comics where Hawkeye and Captain America were talking to each other out of car- out of costume. I was like, <laughs> oof. Oh, no. <laughs> that's, that's not good. Yeah. And yeah, so, so. In other Spider Man news, Paul Souls, the voice actor from the 1967 series, passed away this week. Mm hmm. He was like that voice of Peter Parker for for so long that would, you know, that's kind of what everyone else who did his voice had to imitate. Hmm. How many seasons of I always found that he was just like, I found that the 60s, like Spider-Man 67 had a weird old grown-up man voice that I thought was weird. Compared to Spider-Man is Amazing Friends? Compared to the 90s Spider-Man? Yeah, compared to the 90s Spider-Man. 90s Spider-Man sounded like... Kind of cool. like Paul Souls done in the nineties. Maybe. I don't know. The other thing that's super weird. Seasons. The other thing One, that's super two, weird three. in that, that 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 whole run is like Spider-Man drops out of grad school and Aunt May's all mad at him and stuff, and that's a whole storyline that you're like kind of following. It's like, will Spider-Man go into grad school? And I was like, this is this is where I come why I come to comics. <laughs> will, <laughs> will will Peter Parker go to grad school? Oh, they also do as opposed to what, Keith? Will Aunt May drop dead if Peter doesn't get back to the hospital with the serum in time? Yeah, that's what I care about. Obviously, that's an adventure. But then they also, in that run, they also do, you get Mary Jane's whole backstory. There's an entire issue of Mary Jane's backstory, which is the stupidest, most soap opera thing in the world. 
Nope. And it's a whole issue. It's not just like I like she's like I always run away from things. And let me tell you my tragic past. She's like so her mom was an actress and her dad was like an associate professor or whatever the hell, but wanted to be like published. So they like traveled from like parts of the country like all around the world to different universities while he kept getting awards, but he could never write. And then his started like getting mad and hit his wife and stuff and left them. And then uh, his her older sister marries a pre-law student right out of high school. And then they have a baby. And because their baby is also like eating up too much time, his law student degrees are going out and he gets mad and hits her also. And then MJ's like, I'm leaving this world and runs away from everything. And I'm like, and you're like, and then the end of the issue. And I'm like, what did I just read? This isn't a superhero <laughs> comic at all. This is just the tragic story of Mary Jane Watson. Like she's literally, and like literally, the, almost the entire thing is like at least framed by like a hobgoblin scheme. He doesn't actually pull it off, but like he's page one and page thirty or whatever is a little bit of hobgoblin stuff. But the rest of it is like Peter Parker in shorts walking around a park with Mary Jane, or walking around Central Park with Mary Jane as she tells him this entire story. I was like, if I was a kid, I'd be like. And I'm never reading Spider-Man again. <laughs> I was like, like, what did I just buy with my 65 cents? <laughs> like, uh, Todd stuff, it's a buck and a quarter. Wait, no, this is pre-Todd. This is still 84. Uh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So other Spider-Man news. Mm-hmm. Uh, casting has leaked for some key roles in uh, No Way Home. So tells, they've sir. announced... They've announced, I don't know if you'd heard a little while ago, that Alfred Molina was coming back to reprise his role as Dr. Octopus. Yes. Uh, they they hinted at Michael Keaton already coming back in Venom, I think. At yep. the end of Venom, the extra sequence is, is Eddie Brock running into Michael Keaton. Which is weird. Why is that weird? Well, because... so these And the same thing, too, that they, they pointed this out in the Venom trailer, that there's potentially still links to the MCU in the Venom trailer. And also, like, so the Vulture, Spider-Man's Vulture, his entire origin story is that it's stolen tech from the aliens of the Avengers fight. Mm-hmm. So it's like, it's there's tangential ties to the MCU, even though they're they're the standal- supposed kind of standalone Sony stuff. So no one, no one is really sure of what that dynamic means. Well, the Spider-Man movies are still distributed by Sony. Yeah, Tom Holland movies. So, like, but the Venom movies are supposed to be standalone. But then apparently the Venom movies have had a couple little like nods and winks. So because they've been sniffing around that, the general idea has been that it's going to be a Sinister Six movie finally. And they just announced who is going to be playing the Green Goblin, and I'm very excited, very pleased, because it's going to be Willem Dafoe. What? Yes. That's amazing. Who's going to come back and just chew scenery like crazy? Which with I Michael dug Keaton in the room. Yeah, Willem Dafoe's fucking great in the room. And his Goblin was great too, because like she Goblin was. is an insane person. Like, and not in like a Joker like way. Like Goblin is just an insane dude. Like a real megalomaniacal maniac. Yeah, exactly. Like he's not just like an agent of chaos or whatever. Like Joker is. Like he's just a, a, a psycho. Yes. So Antichristos, Willem Dafoe. Yeah. <laughs> I, I. So who rounds out the six? So they're going to put Venom in. Uh, Jamie Foxx is Electro. Okay. Wow. Uh, so maybe anyway, Venom, so at that sure point, we'd have, we'd have Goblin. Vulture, Electro. Vulture, Electro, Ock. Uh, they're saying Rhino. What's his face from Sideways? He's going to get a second crack at it. What's his name from Sideways? 
Yeah. Oh, um, Paul DiMaggio. Giametti. Paul Giametti. Yeah. As the rhino. Yeah. Well, he was the rhino in yeah. one of the other ones, yeah. and um, one of the Garfield ones. The other guy from Sideways playing Sandman. Oh yeah. Yeah. Who did fine? He just got put in that horrible Spider-Man Three movie. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that was not his fault that that movie was bad. But no, Craven the Hunter. Man, I love Craven the Hunter. And if you're reading 80s Spider-Man comics, you got to go read Craven's Last Hunt because fuck that book is crazy. You know who showed I up? Literally in the, never heard of this guy. You know who showed up in uh, what do you call it? Puma. Puma's <laughs> around a lot in the 80s. Yeah. <laughs> so first of all, oh my God, Puma! Like <laughs> very problematic. He's literally colored red. Like his skin tone is red in so many, so many comics with him and you're like no no he's he's an indigenous hunter uh, warrior right, type who right. is like in comic color physically bright the bright red yeah like lots of magentas there yeah exactly that's it and i was like and i'm just like not a big 80s comic guy or whatever but i was like what? and who is like let me introduce puma and i was like you have craven like i'm like why are you introducing another like superstar like from the wilds hunter guy they're like this one can transform or whatever puma's alter ego is a a millionaire criminal underworld millionaire yeah <laughs> puma just, just bad nah man keith you gotta read craven's last hunt that Maybe. that book is all kinds of crazy it's but jam Teus and mike zach just just going bananas you you seriously don't know Craven the Hunter, though? No, I've literally never even heard of that character. He must have Sergei, popped up in the 90s comic. Sergei Kravinov <laughs> is a Russian big game hunter yeah. who has moved on to hunting the deadliest game. Spider-Man? Spider-Man. Spider-Man. <laughs> yes. Yes. <laughs> That's it, exactly. <laughs> huh. he's, he's, he's got black hair and a big Russian circus mafia mustache, and he wears a lion's pelt Face. over his shoulders and down his chest. And he carries a big hunting rifle, and he goes from the jungles to New York City to, to hunt, hunt Spider Man. Okay, it's great. Yeah, it's great. <laughs> it's like... And and in Craven's Last Hunt, he he goes. He he basically has a full mental breakdown for not being able to to do this one thing that he's built his entire life around, and believes he ends up killing Spider Man after learning his secret identity. And when that happens, he's like, I don't know what to do anymore. I should be Spider-Man now. <laughs> and puts on the black costume. Not not the symbiote, just the black fabric costume. Yeah. Just does that for a little while. <laughs> very badly. That's and this is good. like 86 or 87. So it's like when all the comics were trying to be dark. Yeah. But it's also Gonzo. Like... Just, yeah, highly recommend it. It's very good. Hmm. Just like off the reservation, kind like, of crazy, crazy loud left field. The other thing too, I was like, I was like reading Spider-Man stuff, and like some Spider-Man news stories were popping into my feed, and one of them was just, and immediately as I, I didn't even need to read the article to be like, oh yeah, that's pretty bad. Where they were just sort of like, Peter Parker spent sixty years gaslighting Aunt May. 
It's <laughs> like he really has. I mean, yeah, he did. <laughs> like every time she's like, "Isn't it so weird that like you're just like leaving?" You're like, "Shut up, May. I couldn't be me." And like whatever else, just like <laughs> like she's observing like inconsistencies in his behavior, and he just downplays it and tells her not to worry about it again and again. <laughs> like, and I was like, "Yeah, you pretty much tried to gaslight MJ and everyone else." Like, mm-hmm. and then I thought I was like that kind did of it's like a whole theme. I would say of like. Male superheroes just like didn't like when women make observations about like getting close to their secret identity, and they're just like, "You dumb woman!" Like, like you must be mistaken. You're at fault here. Uh, right up until the black cat, who was like, "Hey, I really like you. Let's make out. This is good times." And he's like, "I'm going to take my mask off." And she was like, "No, I don't care about that." Oh yeah, that that also happening is happening during the the Venom story. It's the greatest. Yeah. It's the greatest. And you get to see like Black Cat's thought bubbles, like while she's like in his apartment. He's like, she's like, "Oh man, Peter Parker lives like a flicking slob, and this is like a cr- <laughs> this is like a crummy apartment, and he can't even pay his bills on time." Oh, I love Spider Man, but this kid is the worst. <laughs> You're just like. <laughs> <laughs> like black cat's Very just like progressive. Yeah, exactly black cat is like put the mask back on baby <laughs> like i don't love you for you i love spider-man for him uh i think that's the show guys yep we did it again everybody we talked about spider-man and hockey and androids not the news not the news Thanks for sticking around to the very end of this show. That means you're our number one fan. As our number one fan, maybe you're wondering a way that you can show your support for this. We've set up a few ways, and the boys are going to tell you about it now. If you like this show, you might know other people that like this show, or maybe they'll like some of the other stuff that we're doing on the website. If that's the case, you can tell them all about it using all of the social networks, like Instagram, Facebook, Twitter. We're on all of those. Or you could just you know, send people links directly to the website. Or if you live in a world without the internet and you only listen to podcasts, you can tell people about it with your human mouth. There's other ways we could support us, John. If your interest in supporting us extends to the financial section, you might consider patreon.com slash 9to5cc. If you go there, you can get perks like early content, you can get your questions answered on the air, and you can get extra art. We've been doing this show for a long time, so we kind of know what we're doing. Not really. 905.cc. <laughs> Podcasts, blogs, and comics. Made in Montreal since 2011.